Either you have people you care for or you have some assets. If you have one or both, think about estate planning. When you come from that angle, then you're really gonna avoid looking like a money grubber. Accidents happen all the time, and so we want to prepare so that the people that are left behind are cared for. Welcome to the Rad Money Podcast. We're Rebecca and Dylan, husband and wife and financial coaches for married couples. Do you and your spouse want to reach financial freedom and start building wealth, but you're not sure where to start? Have you tried to budget and pay off debt, yet you struggle to see your net worth actually increase? Rad Money is the finance podcast that helps millennial married couples get on the same page about one of the toughest topics they will face in their marriage. Our goal is to help you and your spouse work together to reach your financial goals and strengthen your marriage along the way. Welcome to today's episode of the Rad Money Podcast. Today we are talking about estate planning for millennials. And y'all, everybody thinks that this is a can that they can kick down the road. They think that this is like the last thing that they need to worry about. I don't have to think about this until I'm a millionaire, blah, blah, blah. Absolutely not, as you're going to learn today in Dylan's conversation with Peter Harrison, an estate planner from Chattanooga and a friend of ours. So you don't want to miss this episode. Yes, this podcast is really important and it's definitely going to change the way that you think about estate planning. Just like this listener said in their five-star review, Fali27 said, Rebecca and Dylan are so fun to listen to. I love their money mindset. This is so countercultural. This podcast will challenge and stretch the way that you think about and view money and help you decide what's really important in life. Thank you so much, Fali27, for the nice review. And yes, we want to challenge the way that you think about money, stretch the way that you think about money, and with the hopes that you will be better with money after each and every episode. And this one is just as powerful. It really is. It's such a great episode. Honestly, well, I was upset that I, I wasn't able to make it to record for this episode. I was out of town, but we had already had some trouble getting this one in the can. And so I was like, Dylan, uh, you're flying solo this week. Yeah, it was different running the Rad Money podcast without you, but you were out of town. And so you were unavailable to help out for this episode. So yeah. yeah, I ran solo for this one. Yeah, I had to leave kind of last minute unexpectedly, but also expected. My sister had a new baby. And so I drove down to Connecticut to help with their toddler. I was gone for like two weeks. But y- the conversation that you and Peter were able to have was just really fantastic. And like I said in the intro, a lot of people think that they can kick this can down the road. My college job was working in a trauma unit in Dallas, Texas. And that really showed me at a very young age that just we are not promised anytime. We are not promised tomorrow. And while that's something that like theoretically we know, it's a different thing to work in that type of environment and to see very young people losing their lives due to catastrophic events. And so it's a different perspective on being able to do things like advanced directives, wills, etc., so that your wishes can be honored if things like that unfortunately happen to you or your loved one. Yes. One of the points that's made right away in the episode is that this is something for everyone, that it isn't something that's for our grandparents. We should be thinking about this because like you said, we don't know what tomorrow brings. Getting in the car is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Just living normal life. There are risks and, the, and like accidents happen all the time. And so we want to prepare ourselves so that the people that are left behind are cared for. A point that you just made, I think it's fascinating how the human brain can really ignore certain risks for the purpose of just like continuing with life. But like if you think about it too much about the fact that it is incredibly dangerous to get into your car, well, then you wouldn't be able to function in society, right? So a blessing and a curse that we're able to push those thoughts out of our mind. We're able to not focus so much on our own mortality so that we can just exist. However, if we do that too much, we can end up putting other people at risk who depend on us, right? So it's really just important to dot your I's and cross your T's when it comes to things like your estate plan. And I think you and Peter do a great job of laying out 
what the parameters are for who needs to start thinking about this and when. In this episode, I'm talking to Peter Harrison. He is an estate planner and the founder and owner of Trailhead Estate Planning down in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He's been practicing law since 2011. He's extremely knowledgeable. He makes these complex topics easy to follow. And I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hey, Peter, thank you for joining me today on the podcast. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. I really like being here. This is awesome. Yeah, I really want to start off, Peter, you're an estate planner. And, that is correct. You know, our audience is millennial couples. And so we're young. We're like we, When we think about estate planning, we're most likely thinking of our grandparents, people who are getting closer to retirement. We're not thinking about people in their 30s, in the midst of their career, just starting families, that estate planning is is important to us at this particular phase in our lives. So why is estate planning so important? Why is this such a critical piece to our financial planning strategy? Oh, yeah. I mean, estate planning is important for everyone. The, the, the moment you hit age 18, you need to do some level of planning because once you're a legal adult, you are presumed by the law to be autonomous and capable of making decisions. If something should happen to you, like a car crash, who's going to make financial decisions on your behalf? Who's going to make sure the bills are getting paid? Who's going to be talking to the doctors if you can't take care of yourself because something happened? Like, you know, sometimes accidents can be bad and you bounce back from it and be fine. And other times, not so much. But, you know, let's let's go with a happier moment here. Just say, hey, something happened to you. Sure. We'll be back up in just a couple of weeks. But in that time period, somebody's got to make sure things are getting done and somebody should be able to tell the docs what your preferences are. So, I mean, even you know, in college, everyone should technically have an advanced directive for healthcare and a power of attorney, uh, healthcare power of attorney. We've got living wills. We've got advanced directives. They all do the same thing, but you need to have that. I remember even when I was back in college, um, there was actually an issue of somebody had to go to the hospital. The parents couldn't actually find out what was going on because the person was a legal adult. And so HIPAA protected the kids. It's really? one of those things that like everybody really needs to make sure they've got at least that part done. You start getting married and having children, and now you have even more things that we have to be taking care of and paying attention to, especially once you have kids. What happens if you and your spouse are both gone? I mean, these things happen. We don't ever like to think about it, but it's better to be prepared than to just completely toss it to the courts and see what the judge is going to say. And the best way to do that is by writing out your will so that you can state who is, who is going to be that person that takes over. I mean, I know from uh, in my own family, I don't have any siblings, but my wife has got two brothers. And so one of them's going to get the kids if something happens, both my wife and I, and the other one's going to be managing the money that we're leaving behind for them to make sure that they're able to pay for things and get off to wizard school like Harry Potter. You know, somebody's <laughs> got to manage the money. Uh, so who's that going to be? And so that's that's basically what you have to kind of prepare yourself for is we got to take care of these things so that if the thing that we think could never possibly happen to us does in fact happen, you've got it covered. It's it's an important yeah. piece of just being an adult, whether we like it or not. It's kind of like you have to pay your taxes. You also have to plan for the bad things that could possibly happen. So it, it's better right. to just get it done while while you know you're ahead of the game and thinking about it. Get it, get it out of there so you don't have to worry about it anymore than to just kind of leave it to chance because that's that's what it's really bad. If you just leave it to the state statutes and, and the judge making a choice, the end result may not be what you would have wanted. And so you're basically, you have an opportunity now that you're an adult to speak in your own voices to what you want to have happen. 
And if you don't, we just follow what the state legislature assumes you wanted to have happen. And your results may vary. <laughs> yeah, it's so, so much to unpack there. So, I mean, kind of to summarize what you're saying in a really layman's terms is that estate planning is us preparing for the worst oh, yeah. for everything in life. And there's so many little pieces that you brought up. You talked about living wills. You talked about power of attorney. I'd like to ask you first, who should be thinking about estate planning? I feel like the umbrella answer is going to be everybody, but like, how do I know if I'm ready to start talking to someone like yourself about estate planning? Because I've reached a certain stage in life, right? Like what, what are these milestones that would constitute someone wanting to come and talk to an estate planner yeah. like yourself? You, you hit it right on the head. The answer is everybody, but which part of everybody am I is what all of your audience members are probably asking. And yes, let, me help, yes. help, let me help break that down. I, I mean, I kind of mentioned it in my long opening answer there. If you are married, have kids, have real estate, even if you have a job that has a good sized group life insurance policy, where it's going to be paying out a fairly big chunk of money if something should happen to you. You need to spell out who's going to get that if it should mature and is paying out that. So yeah, I mean, those are the big ones right there. If you've got enough property to wonder what's going to happen to it, if you've got loved ones that you want to make sure you're taking care of, I mean, those, those, that's it. I mean, I mentioned three different things, but two of them are really the same thing. If you've got property and you've got people to care about, it's you. The degree of complexity changes, the more stuff and people we add in. Okay. So there's layers to this, but essentially like we have two primary buckets. I'm really simplifying. It's like, I either care for people like my wife, my children, there's people that depend on me to a certain extent, one way or the other, or I have assets that if I were to pass away, I want to make sure those go into the right hands so right. that they don't end up being dispersed the way I wouldn't want them and, to be dispersed. And the Venn diagram has a lot of overlap in the middle there. So you, you, we're just trying to make sure that we got the right folks getting it. And if you've got stuff from people you care about, come on down, get your stuff done. Right. And you mentioned at the first part of the question that I asked at the very beginning, you mentioned when I turn 18 years old, if I get into a car accident, uh, you mentioned that there can be complications about people may not respect my wishes of how oh, I'd like yeah. to be treated if I'm unable to speak for myself. But like, let's say the person, someone who's in college doesn't have assets or family necessarily, like, or anybody who's depending on them, why is it so important for them? Can we dive into that a little bit more too? Yeah, it's easiest to understand when we think about TV. That usually helps people see other scenarios beyond their own. Yeah, stories are a great way to explain things. Pick a, pick a show where the kids don't agree with the parents on how things should be in life. If we just look at where parents are disagreeing with their kids about important life choices, this is your opportunity once you hit age 18 to spell out what you want. And in fact, that's why HIPAA exists and why it is so specific that once you hit age 18, each adult, everybody has the authority and the right to declare how they want to be treated. So if we're looking at end of life decision making and your family would rather make sure you stay plugged in for the rest of time to all the machines and you don't want that, you need to make sure you spell that out in your documents because otherwise, I mean, it hasn't happened in the news in a while, but uh, you know, for those that may remember, there was like Terry Schiavo down in Florida. Right, I remember yeah, that story. Her significant other and her family were at complete loggerheads about what to do. It just became this giant national controversy about how do you deal with that? That is why we do estate planning documents. You need to actually do the proper documentation to, right. to clearly spell out, here's who I want to carry out my wishes since 
at the time this comes up, I can't tell you myself. Okay. So that's why it's so important and how it affects almost everybody. Once we turn 18, it's something that we really want to consider. And I know I had pretty deep conversations with friends in college about things like end of life and care and things like that, but we never thought about just telling my friend over a couple beers may not be the same as talking to the uh, estate no. planner yeah. and making sure that we get exactly what we want the way that we want it when we get there. But continue the conversation with the proper professionals is what I'm hearing. Yes. So we've, we mentioned a lot of things. Like I said, power of attorney. You also mentioned health care directives, living wills. What is the difference between an estate plan and a will? Is it one and the same or are there lots of things wrapped up into the estate plan? Could you help us understand? Yeah, those sure. Things? I mean, that's a, that's a great question. But the easiest way to describe it is basically, as you were saying, What's the difference between a will and an estate plan? It's kind of like, what's the difference between a tire and a car? One is part of the other. When, when we're doing estate planning, there are a lot of different tools that we can be using. We can do wills, trusts, the power of attorney and healthcare directive are for while we're still alive, but can't make decisions for ourselves. Okay. So that's what those are for. That makes sense. The will is what do we do with the rest of my stuff that's stuck in my name when I'm dead? Okay. So that's, those are for the asset side of things. Yeah. And that's for the last will, a living will. Unhopefully they have confusingly overlapping names, but the living will is another name for the advanced directive for healthcare. The last will is once I'm gone, those other documents don't matter anymore because they only applied while I was alive. Once I'm gone with the assets that are stuck in my name, where do they go? How do I want distributed? And that kind of stuff. That's what a last will is for. Unfortunately, it's now become a real common problem in a lot of states where the costs of implementing that will, it's called probate. Uh, a lot of people have heard about probate and all the, the bad stuff about probate. The biggest problems with probate are the time and correlating expense of actually operating the will once it is in effect. So we can be doing things like beneficiary designations to have assets pass outside of the will, go to specific people you want. We can be doing alternative things like a revocable living trust that has all the same provisions that say, this is what you do when I'm gone, but that doesn't go through probate. The issue is, and this is a body of law that's been around since William the Conqueror. We've had a lot of things develop over that amount of time. Wills are done because... We want to make sure we follow what people want to do with their stuff when they pass. The problem is, again, going back to TV, all the bad plot lines that you can come up with dealing with who gets the stuff when someone goes and the hijinks that ensue when people try to get a piece of a dead person's money. I mean, it is like straight out of HBO and Showtime you know, series where people just are absolutely glued to the show. Like what's going to happen? People get cuckoo with deceased people's money. There's just a mad grab. And so we have to make sure when we're doing these estate planning documents, wills and trusts, we're actually following the wishes of the person who's writing the document and not the worm tongue sitting behind them whispering poisonous words in their ears to change the plan. Right. That's why there's so much to do to make sure they're done properly. And when we're using a will, we're going through a probate system, there is a judge who is supervising it all to make sure it's done properly. And of course, the judge doesn't know who you are. They don't know who the rest of your family is. So we have to have a lot of set procedures to make sure that we're doing it right because the judge has basically been forced into this matter where having a trust gets rid of that because you are naming a specific person after you who is going to be following this instruction of making sure it gets done. Now, if people don't agree with what that trustee's doing or think that that trust was created improperly, we're still going back to the judge 
But if okay. everything is operating smoothly and we've been doing our job properly and there, we don't have these big problems, we can bypass that additional layer of protection and, and procedure and slow bureaucracy to get it done. I'm kind of getting in the weeds on this, but there's a lot of different pieces. But with the whole basic idea behind it being, let's do what you want to do with your stuff when you don't need it anymore. And how do we make sure that, that we're following your wishes, not the other people in your family are like, oh God, anybody but letting that person be in charge is the goal. Right. So, you know, <laughs> my, the way my wife put it was, is beautiful. Like, why is estate planning the, the way it is? Just remember back to Thanksgiving, that one family member, you're like, oh God, here we go. That's why we have estate planning. Cause there's always one, there's always one that you're like, oh, can we not have that? And that's why you have to go through those steps properly. Because otherwise, if you're suddenly removed from the picture, uncle so-and-so is going to be stirring the pot, right? He's got all the great ideas. Yeah. And now we're, now we're off to the races like, oh boy. So. That's why yeah. we do an estate plan is to make sure that we're following your wishes because inevitably we can't ask you anymore once it's time to actually start passing these things on. That makes sense. So the estate plan, and to use your uh, metaphor, is the car, but every piece of the, uh, the will is the tires, for example. Yeah. And then these uh, the power of attorney is another piece of the car. And we have the trust as well. And so there's all these pieces to your estate planning that come together. Power of attorney or the living will, those are the things that have to do with me if I can't speak for myself if I'm in a hospital. Mm -hmm. A will is what do we do with our assets? And then what about, you mentioned there's two pieces if I need an estate plan or not. So we have assets, but we also have people we care for. Where, what documents or what part of the estate plan would cover, say, what happens to my children afterwards? How do we take care of that? That's where we're, even if we're doing a trust-based plan, we still keep a will because the will deals with things like who's going to be the, the guardian. Okay, that's in the will as well. Yeah, we stick that in the will. Also, if the reason why you passed, and this is specifically important to younger people where we're not expecting to pass from any of the other usual reasons. If something should happen, it's been because of an incident. Accidents, yes. Yeah, an accident. So like some trucker decides to have a couple of a couple of beers before driving that big 18-wheeler and then kills you. Your estate is what has the wrongful death claim against him and the insurance carrier. You can't offload that onto your trust. You've got to do the will. Your estate is what has that right to pursue that claim. So we still have to have okay. a will because we don't know how things are going to play out. We need to have the will for the, the stuff that could possibly happen that we haven't already directed. The best way I've found to describe that to folks is the rest of the estate plan is like a pitcher to a catcher. We've got it all directed. It's all going in. But anytime you go to any kind of baseball field, there's a backstop there. And that's what the purpose of the will is going to be when we're doing a trust. We're still going to have a will because it's there for the wild pitch. That makes sense. And then could you explain what exactly a trust is? Yeah, this is one of the ones that I, that I get every so often. People are like, I see all these things and none of it makes sense to me. The easiest way I can describe it, I've got this cup here. Don, I'd like for you to hold this cup for the benefit of my children. I'm the creator of the trust. I am the grantor. Dylan, you are now the trustee. What is the property of the trust? This cup. Who are you holding it for? My kids. That's all the trust is, is an arrangement between the creator of the trust and the person they're giving the money to. You are giving property to someone else to hold for the benefit of another person. And trust laws come along far enough that 
we can now you can actually have all of those roles be the same person. So if you're creating a trust, you can be the creator of the trust. You can be the initial trustee of the trust. You can be the beneficiary of the trust while you're still alive. Why would we do that? Because part of that trust is also, hey, if something happens to me, I can't be the trustee anymore. Here's a new trustee and who's the property going to once I'm gone? These other people over here. Right. And this is how generational wealth really comes into play is how we pass things along properly to from one family member or one generation to the next without money disappearing to the state. That's right. right. So like the trust is just an arrangement with a long set of instructions for if this, then that. And that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. Without like overly strapping the trustee down, you're giving them some measure of discretion to say, hey, I know I can't write down everything that can happen in the future, but let me give you some guidance and I'm picking you because I trust you to do the right thing with this property I'm handing you for the benefit of those people over there. Great. So trust is the vehicle in which we can pass the cup or the baton to the next person and avoid things like propane. Yeah, with instructions on when to turn on and turn off that spigot of water to your flow to the people holding the cups. Water being assets, money, whatever that is. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yep. Yep. And so when we were talking about the estate plan and what's the difference between all these things, you were talking about Uncle Remus getting involved and whispering into people's ears and people getting upset about what actually happens with the last will and the trust. So it really makes me think that communication is really vital when we are talking about estate planning. What do we need to know about communication? What do we need to be communicating? Once we build our estate plan, what should we be sharing? What's important to pass on to other people? Because I'm guessing it's not good. If I just go, it's like a surprise birthday party and they didn't know what the surprise was going to (laughs) be. That kind of gets into why why do I dress like this as a lawyer? Because I'm I'm trying to be approachable because I need to know what's going on so I can help counsel people and guide them and give them that advice. And I've found through experience that when I'm wearing the suit and tie, I look very impressive and I look intimidating to the point that my clients don't want to tell me everything. And I'm like, no, it's not going to be very helpful. Yeah, that's not very helpful. I need the knowledge to know what's going on so I can help you with that. I, I have a lot of time sort of armchair counseling folks. What kind of communication do we need to have? I mean, that's always up to the client because sometimes you've got toxic relationships and you don't want to open that can until... It has to be. Open. Sure. You know, it's going to blow up one way or the right. other. And so okay. if you know it's going to do it and you just kind of want to give them that final single finger salute on the way out, we want to kind of hold off until it's time for that. Fair enough. But yeah. When it's not that intense. Prime example. Uh, this is usually in the case of older families. Matriarch and patriarch are deciding how they want to pass stuff down. And they're looking at their kids and one of them has has done great. They don't need anything. They're loaded. And then you got the other kid who's not doing so well. So mom and dad decide, okay, we're going to give more to the one who needs more help and let the other one carry on because they've taken care of themselves just fine. Now, if that's not properly communicated, that can come across not the way that was intended. And so that's where we have to kind of just case by case, talk it out and say, okay, if we're doing something that's not quite what everybody expects, then this needs to be a discussion that should probably be had to make sure that everybody understands that it's not for a lack of love and affection is the phrase that we always use. It's for some other reason. Otherwise, if you just keep mum about it, they won't know until it's too late to go back and ask you why you're doing what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Having that communication, it's something that families are not well known for, but needs to happen. And usually what I wind up telling people when they finish their documents we're talking about explaining to the rest of the family members is tell them that you've come to meet me, tell them that we're doing the estate plan, 
And then I know the very next question is, are you okay? Is every, you know, what's going on? I'm fine. Nothing's going on. I'm just trying to make sure you know what's happening so that everybody's on the same page because that's just what needs to be done. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of talking about it because what we don't want to do is have feelings hurt from uh, reality being different from expectations. So we're just managing those expectations from early on because I've also seen on occasion where someone thought they knew what the kids wanted and what was going on. And then as soon as we started talking to them, realizing, whoa, mom and dad were off base and we need to recalculate and go back. That's interesting that before they passed, like the kids are saying, wait a second, what's going on here? We need to adjust. That's very interesting. To give you an example, this is one that happened after the fact. Uh, I didn't do the planning. I was just helping the cleanup afterwards. Dad died and mom's still alive. Dad's will gave more of the family property that was in another state. It's basically the lake house that had been in the family line for ages. Gave more of it to the daughter than to the son. And the son was like, why are you doing this? It, he was just completely baffled. It came out because the mom was still alive. was able to say, well, you never wanted to go there. You, you never cared about it. And he was like, that wasn't me. That was my ex-wife. She hated going there. I love this property. Too late now. Well, and it's so important to have that communication up front too. I mean, this is something that Rebecca and I talk about when it comes to couples and money so much is that the transparency makes sure that people don't make assumptions, just like in that story, like an assumption was made about the son. We fail to have the important conversations and just be transparent about things, which is just hard to do. And we're not really good at it as people. When we fail to do it, though, it, it leaves the other people up to interpret what you would yeah. like. And in this case, and in a lot of cases, we're wrong about that because when you know what they say about assuming, yeah. it's just it's not going to work out in anybody's favor. And so, but like here, like, how was the son supposed to tell his parents that? How did he, how would he even have known? Because mom and dad didn't talk to him first and explain what the plan was based on their assumptions. I don't exactly anticipate most of my clients talking to their parents. It's really more on the people creating the plan, but everybody should be having these conversations anyway. If you're right. taking ownership of your own plan, it's also probably a good idea to make sure that everybody else in, in the family tree is having these conversations to make sure that we're airing out these issues, getting them cleaned up and getting things resol resolved. As I said, like earlier on, families are not well known for their communications abilities. They really need to be. Having those conversations can help eliminate a lot of these things. Because if you don't, it just winds up festering. And I'm just trying to help people keep that clean and go go where they, where they want their stuff to go and make sure that everybody's happy with how it goes. Like, I've got another one right now that I'm working on. I don't have a solution for it yet because we're still working on everything. But mom has a big block of property and she wants to treat all of her kids fairly. Well, the property is worth more than just giving it to one kid. And furthermore, yeah. once we had the conversation with everyone saying like, hey, like one kid's not on this coast. She's on the, the, the West Coast. And the others are in town. Is she going to want a piece of this thing or is she going to want other resources? Who all wants this land? And how do we make sure that everybody else is treated fairly in going forward with it? Well, as we're kind of talking about and going through, a whole host of other issues came out. And I was like, oh, really? Oh, boy, we need to, everybody needs to kind of sit down and figure out what they want to do. Because mom is, is trying to make sure y'all still talk to each other after she's gone. What her number one goal was, was, you know, was having everybody treated fairly, not 
necessarily equally because that's an easy thing. We just chop, 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 chop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fairness, like have everybody treated in a way that they expect to be treated and get something that they actually want instead of feeling like mom screwed them because of the situation or worse that one of their siblings screwed them and now they don't want to talk to each other anymore. Yeah, it brings up such an important part of why communication is so valuable here is without the right communication and the right expectations set prior to the actual will and last testament going into action, if you don't do those things, then that's where the arguments would come into play. But at least you people know where the chips are going to fall beforehand. And then hopefully that creates or reduces the amount of stress or resentment that's going to take place. You start working on those things. Maybe we can get a little bit closer to uh, getting that parity and ever, having everybody feel fairly treated. Yes, yes. Well, that makes me think about like, what are some common mistakes that are made? Common one that I see is when millennials now, we're getting to the age where people are divorcing, remarrying, and having new you know children with the new spouse. So we've got kids from the prior marriage. It's not a new concept, but... You know, we have the Brady Bunch. It's been around, uh, but it's been yeah. as long as people have been making children, we've had families where not everybody was from the same mother and father. And so one of the things that I see happen a lot with folks that have not properly talked to a professional about this is they'll just leave everything that they own outright to their current spouse. And if they're not survived by their current spouse, everything that they own is divided equally among their children. So the husband or wife's respective children. And so what you'll have happen, we have kids from previous marriage on both sides. Look at the Brady Bunch, easiest way. We have kids on both sides. Yeah, yeah. And then we merge the families. And if we give everything to the surviving spouse and the surviving spouse doesn't change their plan, then when they die, their plan says, I give everything I own to my children. That cuts out everybody else from the husband's side. Right. Wow. So just little, little details are so important yeah. here. And so that's like, we call that one the accidental disinheritance. Cause if we could call dad back up, you'd be like, oh, uh, no, that was not the goal. That is not how this was supposed to happen. And so, right. And then just depending on the family, it could probably be, can either be, oh, we understand that was a mistake. Let's do this right. But there's plenty of people who like, Families coming together can be really tough. I know and that. Sometimes they uh, hate Rebecca, each other and they're going to be like, ha ha, it's tough. sucks to be you. And, or uh, or you have like uh, the, the, the the wicked stepmother stories. I mean, just like a Disney movie. Sure. Uh, where like, you know, we just don't like the new spouse and the feeling is mutual. And so now, like, if you just do the everything to the current spouse mode, you could pretty well guarantee you're not going to get anything when the surviving spouse dies. If you have that kind of animosity and not proper planning, why would they give it to you? So that's where proper planning comes in, where we have to kind of sit down and start talking about, okay, how do I properly provide for my new spouse? But then when my new spouse doesn't need those assets anymore, it rubber bands back to my family line. And yes. it's not yes. always you know, the same answer for everybody. That's why you want to do a professional about all the choices that you have in there. But you you have to kind of work out those issues and it goes on both sides. How do we take care of each other, but then make sure that after that first, that initial line of planning is done, what's left goes to the right people. And so, yeah, you just got to kind of sit down and work through that. That's the one of the biggest ones I see. One of the other ones that I see happen 
all the time, especially with older uh, clients. So, you know, maybe not the millennials, but their parents, if they do their beneficiary designation, they just do beneficiary designations. They just said, I'm going to skip a will. I'm not going to go pay a lawyer. I'm just going to like name my kids and call it good. And they haven't thought about what's going to happen with that money if the kid is not in a good position when it comes time to inherit. So if they're in the middle of litigation, like they caused a wreck or something and now they're being sued or uh, they have big medical debt or they're in the middle of a divorce, guess who's going to be the happiest person in the room when they find out an inheritance just dropped into the bucket? No kidding. Yeah. But predator, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, ooh, wait a minute now. Do you, is that what you had in mind, mom and dad? I'm going to go on a limb and say no. And so the the same lesson can be applied for every generation. Hey, did you see how that went in the previous generation? Do you want that to happen in your generation? Do you or do you want to do something different? And that's you know sometimes the answer is yeah, it was fine, no worries. Other times it was, <laughs> yeah, okay. that was not the plan. How do we resolve that and not have it happen going forward? Right. Is there a, a one-size-fits-all solution for that? Is that using a trust? Is it just the way the will's set up? Or There's never a one-size solution. Of course. It, it, this is why you go to the lawyer instead of having just the, the, the one-size-fits-all solution here. We call it the poor man's will. That's what a beneficiary designation is because you're just by each account and who should get it. The problem that you have with that is it is completely blind to the, to the situation when it comes time to hand it over. So sometimes that's the right play. Just hand it over, call it good. And sometimes you look at the potential risk and you say, eh, I'm not worried about it. In which case, yeah, it's fine. But if there's any of these other potential issues that are coming up or that you're worried about, it's time to go talk to a lawyer to see what are your choices. Because if you just get focused on the one thing, you can miss all the other ones that are available that may be the exact right fit for you. Right. So yeah, it's just working with the estate planner helps you think through the whole process. You're getting the, the huge 30,000 foot view of your estate plan and you're making sure every detail is crossed. And at least you can make the informed decision to either forego a piece or say, you know what, that's really important for our particular estate yeah. plan. I mean, basically, yeah. look at it. Look at it this way. When you talk to an estate planning attorney, you're, they've got the Swiss army knife of options and they want to show you the various ones and see what's the right tool. Because if all you hold is a hammer, all the world is a nail. If you only are focused on one thing, you can't see all the other better tools that are available. And sometimes you don't want a hammer. Sometimes you want a screwdriver. I really love that analogy or that, that yeah. saying. That's it's really just great. like you, you just got to you got to you got to know what your options are to pick the right one for you. The other one I see, this one cracks me up. Speaking of like. The parents of millennials and the grandparents like, oh, yeah, I did my will back in the 80s. Like, what? You know, it's we're still naming, you know, the, I've seen I, when I see people come in with wills where they're naming a guardian for their children who are age 30 something. I'm like, we can probably just sit this one aside and start over. <laughs> right. OK, so like we have those buckets of which we might want to start an estate plan, but when those buckets significantly change, we also want to revisit yep. our estate plan and make the some changes. Estate plans as well. are not set it and forget it. You got to come back every couple of years and look at your stuff and see, because that's the other thing. Like, you know, now millennials, I'm a millennial. I'm, I'm a, I would actually consider myself uh, one of those zennials, you know, like the tail end of Gen X. You're right in between. Yeah, like yep. in that, that little sandwich generation. But if you look back, and the, the easiest way to do this is like you can go back and find 
AIM names and live journal. I know that dates me right away. But I know exactly yeah, what you're you talking about. You go back and good. look at the things you wrote when you were young and dumb and you're like, that's not what I meant to do. Guess what? That happens in your estate plan. Of course. Yeah. Time changes. We we have different views. We have different opinions. And so we're oh, yeah. allowed. But as we change as people, we're allowed to change what our plan is. It, just because we said we leave money to one person doesn't mean we can't change our mind in That's the future exactly and it. decide that that it isn't right anymore. Or maybe they're the right person for all of it. Instead. Yeah. And, and like uh, I actually, when I meet with clients, I, I we set up, let's come back in every two years, like scheduled maintenance. Let's just pop the hood, make sure everything is running smoothly. And, you know, if you hear knocking and banging before that two years is up, definitely call me up. Let's get in there and fix it. Sure. But otherwise, let's double check and make sure everything is running as smoothly as you thought it was just a few years ago. And I've seen a number of clients come in on both sides of that coin. They come in and it's like, it's the fastest conversation. We look through like, yep, looks good. Looks good. Okay, great. Thanks. Good to see you. We'll see you in two more years. And the other ones come in and we start looking through. They're like, was I high? <laughs> And I'm like, no, no, you weren't. It's what you wanted to do then. It's just, your world has changed. And now that those decisions that were made that were right at the time are no longer right. We've got to update it. It's just what happens. Oh, th that's really helpful. Uh, those mis common mistakes to just think about as we're, we're going through our process of creating estate plans and updating and making sure that we're always looking at it. If, if we had done the process of revisiting it every few years, there would be probably less likely of a chance to have that accidental disinheritance that you talked about is one of the first mistakes mm -hmm. because we would have seen it happening before it actually went down. But the last thing I wanted to discuss was I was on your social media, I was on your Facebook account, and a few days ago you posted a quote by Billy Graham and I really loved it. And so I just wanted to read it here and kind of get your take on mm -hmm. it and, and share a little of my thoughts too. And the quote was, the greatest legacy we can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or material things accumulated in one's life but rather a legacy of character and faith. And I really love that because as someone who works in the finance field and someone like yourself, like a lawyer who's in the finance field as well, so many people think that you know it's all about the money. But I really see that money is just a tool that helps us drive life so that we can see through the things that we want to do, whether it's spend more time with friends and family, give generously to charities, whatever it is. But I just really love that because it was it was focusing on so much more than what matters. That that brings back some of the other things like a lot, we, everybody focuses on the wills and the trust, the money, because it helps drive exactly like you said, all the other things we want to do with it once we have it. But those values and even just sentimental things here in Tennessee, Tennessee legislature realized that it makes no sense to have people spell out who's getting the ironing board. I actually had a client that wanted to put that in her will, like who's getting the ironing board. I was like, no, we have a statute that lets <laughs> you just write out on a piece of paper, either like type it up or handwrite it, sign it at the bottom, put your date on who's going to get the knickknacks in the house. And we just treat that as part of the will. So you can keep updating instead of you, nice old lady, calling me up every like six months as you change your mind, you know, but the point behind it it was the sentimental value of some things can be absolutely huge. And also we can write letters to tell people like I do this with every single client. We have what I call my playbook, which is basically a binder. That's the playbook for how to run the estate plan when 
the time comes to do it. So you need to have all yeah. the pieces in there, including the, the letters that you're going to hand off to people, giving them those last thoughts or stories and wishes and telling them the values. I encourage all my clients to do that. Gosh, that's such a beautiful touch at the end of life to be able to, to have had a letter passed on to all your loved ones. It's a small thing that you wouldn't necessarily think about an estate planner talking to their clients about, but it makes all the sense at the same time. Oh, yeah. I've actually got a couple of my dad's books. He actually published a few stories uh, in these like compilations of other small authors, but a few of his stories are actually in these collections that were published. And I own them and they are worth like 50 cents at, at a, a bookseller, but they're worth more than that to me because yeah. they were his. It was his voice telling a story and I get to keep that. That value cannot be measured in, in money. A lot of times people don't think about that until I basically give them the rest of the documents and say, hey, don't forget to do this too, because only you can do that. I can't do that, no. but they can do that. And I strongly encourage them to because it's so good. It's such a valuable thing that has nothing to do with money. That's fantastic. I think that's a perfect place to end, Peter. But Peter, I know you're a licensed lawyer. You aren't licensed in every state. We have Tennessee, we have Georgia, and then we have Alabama. So <laughs> I'm licensed in three states. So if you happen to be in one of those three states, I'm happy to help you out with your estate planning. But if you are not, so that where, where I am is in Chattanooga, but if you are not in those three states or it's too far and you don't want to um, fully understand, look for someone who focuses on estate planning to do your, your estate plan because kind of like, why would you go to the foot doctor or something's wrong with your eye? Go to an estate planning attorney. They're familiar with the issues you're running into and can help you properly navigate the, the solution. Fantastic. And then if someone's in Tennessee, Georgia, or Alabama, and they want to reach out to you. The best way to reach out to me is going to my website, trailheadep.com, uh, or just Google good old-fashioned trailhead estate planning. That'll work. I'm, I'm the one that pops up, and I'm happy to help. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Peter. It was a pleasure. I learned a lot in this conversation, and I think that there's probably going to be an opportunity to follow up with a lot more questions now that we've just scratched the surface on estate planning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We just started. <laughs> All right. Have a good Thanks day, Thanks so much. Peter. Take care. Have a great one. All right, Rebecca, now that we're back in the studio and you've heard my conversation with Peter, what stood out most to you? The thing that stood out the most to me is not going to surprise any of you, but it's the communication factor. I really like how Peter said that the, the burden of the communication mostly lies with the person who is doing the estate planning. Yeah. However, I do think that we can address these issues with curiosity to our elderly parents and grandparents or aunts and uncles and just letting them know that like we're there for them and we want to to maybe help them. I mean, we've had these conversations with a lot of our family members and we're executors of a couple of estates at this point. It's a lot of work, actually. But you can start having these conversations and it's just all about how you address it. And then the other thing is just how do you start having these conversations with your spouse? I think that is something that I really want to dig into in the future because I think it's just really hard for people to face their mortality in general, like I was saying earlier. Um, and so just how do I actually talk about something that is as challenging as money and death. And that yeah. can, those are just two really huge conversations that we, we do want to avoid, but they're really critical because when you don't talk about them, it really does put the people that you love at risk. Yeah, I really think it's really important that the person who's planning the estate plan sets the expectations for everyone else because there's nothing worse than making assumptions about what people want or that people get upset after you're gone because you never told them what was going on and they don't perceive it as fair. 
So I think that's so important, like you're saying, but also if you're younger and you're just reaching out to your parents or your grandparents and saying, if you want to talk about it, I'm here for you. Just even something like that, just to get the conversation going, not to pry, not to ask for anything, just to have clarity and understanding what your your parents and grandparents' wishes are. Like just knowing that it would be so helpful for them. I think that's a really great angle to start the conversation. Obviously, you can always use our podcast as a huge launching pad, right? Yeah. And say, hey, I just heard this podcast about estate planning. And it got me thinking about my own estate planning and who did you use? Oh, you haven't used anybody? Okay, let's talk about that. Um, right. you know, so this is a huge launching pad for that conversation. But really, it comes down to making sure that people's wishes are respected. And when you come from that angle, then you're really going to avoid looking like a money grubber. Like it's really just I want to make sure that the things that you've worked so hard for are not lost to the state. Don't go to the wrong people. Yes. Don't. They, it's just a matter of having your wishes fulfilled. I don't care if I get a penny. I just want to make sure that you are honored in the you know after you pass on. Yes. That's yes. really what matters. Yeah. I mean, just like Peter was saying, that if you don't make a plan, the state will make a plan for you, and then you yep. have to. And they're not going to read their mind. They're going to do what they think is right. And they're going to just do what's easy for them, which may not be right for you and your families. And it's definitely not tax advantaged. No. <laughs> it is not in your estate's favor. Definitely not. It, but yeah, to your, to your point, it's it's just it's left up to people who aren't you, people who aren't the ones who built the empire or even just bought the home and that was like the beginning of generational wealth for your family mm -hmm. or just whatever, right? So it's really just an imperative step. And if you're, it's something that you thought that you can kick this can down the road, I hope that this episode really got you thinking and realizing that this actually should be closer to the top of your list. Yeah. I mean, Peter just said it so plainly at the beginning of the episode, either you have people you care for or you have some assets. And if you have one or both, you need to be thinking about and taking action on building that estate yeah. plan. Yeah. It's a really common question that I get from my clients who are single. And they're like, do I really need to think about this stuff? Like this, I don't have anybody to leave it to. And it's just like, I mean, you don't have to if you're okay with everything that you're working hard for. If you're okay with it just disappearing, then yeah, you don't need to make a plan. <laughs> yeah. And when you're young and there's not a lot of pieces to it, it actually isn't that expensive. I know that yeah. back when we first met Peter, for someone who's young, just getting their their career started, like 300 bucks. Yeah, a couple hundred bucks and, and you're golden. And it's right up there with like your life insurance. If you yeah. have life insurance, but you don't have an estate plan, you know, it's like you really need both of those. So that's today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, we would really appreciate it if you've left us a review and let us know how the Rad Money Podcast has been helping you on your financial journey. And when you leave a review, it helps push our podcast in front of more people so that we can help even more people. So that's this week's episode. Until next time, I'm Rebecca. And I'm Dylan. And, and we're, we're Rad, Rad Coaches. Coaches.